Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. So, hey, everybody, welcome back to the Best Life Podcast. We're in Costa Rica still. We've just moved our studio from Jerry's apartment to Dr. Jeff's office. (laughs) We have a mobile studio here. So we are actually sitting here with Dr. Jeff McNary, who we heard... We'll have to, maybe we'll give some context ahead of time, but we found out that Jerry went to rehab uh, for 60 days, basically fell in love with, with Jeff, as he told us in a non-sexual way. <laughs> and, and he ended up basically taking him away from his job in rehab and, and just taking him with, with you here, right? That's so, right. <laughs> yeah, so we'll go into that story, but I'm really excited. Actually, when I heard that story, I was like, I can't wait to talk to this guy because I have so many questions for you. So first, welcome and thank you for Thanks for having being me. With, excited <laughs> for being to talk to you guys. Here. Yeah, so, you know, you met, you met Jerry at, when you were at Passages, but before then, obviously, you went through a lot of things to get to that point where you were running the show essentially yeah. at passages. So how does give us a little bit of an origin story? So I have a master's in public health from UCLA that I did before my doctorate in psychology. And I was working, running a, an OBGYN clinic at UCLA. And I like the administrative side of healthcare. Mm. Um, but I learned that in order to manage doctors and psychologists, you kind of have to have an advanced degree or mm. else you just don't get the respect from the, from the, the people. So I ended up getting a doctorate in psych. And I was also living in Hawaii during some of that time working for the department of health working with adolescents that had addiction. So I had like this addiction background, this trauma background. Then I worked with acute psychiatric patients in Pasadena at a hospital there. And I was working with individual patients and groups and stuff. And then eventually I was the director, the administrative director of Passages. And I was running the show and in charge of all the guests and all the staff. And just, it was this crazy place. It was a great spot to learn. You know, it was amazing. but super high end. So it wasn't reaching the community I was used to working with, you know. Totally different. So then, you know, and just to give you guys context, you can't see him, but Jeff is just like, if you look at Jeff, he's like your homie. Like he's got, (laughs) he's chill. He's like, he's definitely in a relaxed attire, ball cap. Oh yeah. But, and I wore suits for too long. I'm now just board shorts and cap. (laughs) (laughs) Why wouldn't you in Costa Rica? Exactly. But obviously extremely intelligent dude, extremely accomplished guy. And so when you were at Passages, you said that, like, just to give everyone some context, it's in Malibu. Yeah, it's, it's in where Malibu. a lot of celebrities yeah. go, celebrity CEOs, family members go. It's extreme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you said that that was a little bit of a different clientele than you're used to working with. Yeah. So was that your preference or was it just, and when you say it was a good experience, what uh-huh. exactly about it? What I liked about it was that it was so expensive that we had like a lot of money to do a lot of different modalities of treatment. Interesting. Because what I was used to de- dealing with, with like county, you know, county resources, people yeah. and resources, like is b- barely therapy here and there. There's not a lot of resources to like help the people, you know, with the tools that they really need. Mm. And uh, at Passages, there was so much stuff going on there. There was holistic sort of approaches, body work, really healthy food, meditation, yoga every day. There's all this really wow. cool stuff. So that's the part I really liked about it. That's really interesting. So did you see a lot of success from people like 
recovering from addictions going in and out you know of, the, of the the success rate for most rehabs nationwide is really low is it's it? like 12 to 15 percent mm, will wow. stay sober if they do like a 30-day inpatient stay wow. yeah and then you measure that after they've been gone a year and we didn't do official stat you know collections there but i you know i would say it's, it was in the same ballpark range it wasn't like it was any better you know were which a lot was of people coming back multiple times yeah yeah they would you know and and the people that got it really did well but, you know, it's, I think addiction is addiction, whether you're at a $100,000 a month place or you're a free Salvation Army on Skid Row place. I've seen the same results, you know, so that yeah. was a really frustrating part of, of right. being there. And so, you know, you met Jerry and he essentially was like, what are you getting paid? I'll pay double or whatever it was. And yeah. I want you to be my full time, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, psychologist, therapist, whatever. And so then what was that five years working with just Jerry Lake? You know, it was really interesting because... I met his family, obviously, during that time, his kids and his, his ex-wife, worked with them a bit. Also, his sisters, his mom, a lot of his friends. Like, so I was doing kind of this community sort of family-type dynamic therapy. Mostly, I was with him, you know, mm-hmm. 99% of the time. And, you know, he was such a dynamic person and so driven to, like, get things right that it was, like, really exciting to be with him. But, you know, he just he just kept getting in his own way. Yeah. You know, there was too he was he had too much money and not busy enough you know he wasn't working anymore mm-hmm. he was just chilling at this really killer house in malibu it's like a party house you know yeah and we <laughs> we would try to you know i would work with him every day like yep. five days a week yep four or five maybe six hours and just talking about like you know his process with his parents how it was with his dad all this different you know it's just typical sort of therapy stuff but then i was pointing him to things that i thought he would you know kind of experiential stuff Mm -hmm. like go out and you know stand up paddle or go for surf or try to do some yoga you know he didn't really connect with any of that stuff he was from this rough area of of pennsylvania and he was just about having a good meal and drinking doing cocaine right that was like (laughs) that's what he liked to do so it was really really challenging and i got to the point where i was kind of working with him more just to help his kids because his kids were you know they were uh, upset at him and but they were great great kids and i really loved his kids and still do these two boys that he has and jerry and patrick and i was just like i'm gonna help your dad stay alive Mm -hmm. and try to get him just nudging towards something better because you guys deserve to have a healthy happy dad you know even if he wasn't totally on board with it the whole time you know he was trying but it just Mm -hmm. he was so overwhelmed with just stress and confusion he didn't know what what was going on with yeah. him was that frustrating to you as a professional we work with a lot of coaches it's a little bit different but you know personal trainers and people like that who have clients who are just simply not they're not getting it like so for you as a professional did you have moments of frustration or even just doubt of like do these modalities even fucking work like you know what i mean like did <laughs> yeah. you have moments like that as Definitely. a professional person absolutely yes i totally did and i was learning a lot off of him because i was I was, you know, I was studying kind of his response to stuff, but it was definitely frustrating because I'm just kind of like, man, what do we, what do we do? We're trying everything. Yeah. And he was going to Agape a couple times a week, working with Michael Beckwith and, and Reverend, Reverend Kathleen McNamara, who's an, a practitioner, and you've probably heard that already. But she, he was trying all these things and it just wasn't working. I was totally frustrated. Yeah. I was yeah. gonna say I would be beyond frustrated. Like five years is a long time too. Uh-huh. I've had a couple clients just for two years. I'm like, okay, we're done. Yeah. Like one <laughs> one year, if you don't learn, you gotta find someone else. So did you feel like there was ever a point where you were just gonna like go, look, I can't do this anymore? Yeah, I was getting close to that point. Mm-hmm. You know, I had the, I was in that that space a couple times for sure over five years. Yeah. But I was getting sort of to the end of my rope. I'm like, dude, this is kinda like a waste. Like what are we doing? Were you married at the time? Uh huh. Was your wife like what Actually, are you, you know doing? what? I was <laughs> 
<laughs> I was divorced at the time. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, but I, I'm still really close. I was close to my ex. Sure. And she lived down in Orange County, so with my two kids, and so I was like, you know, seeing her and seeing them, and you know, I was dating or whatever. But I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't. Okay. Totally connected to somebody that I had to answer to per se. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna yeah. say as a yeah. wife, I would have yeah. been like, "Honey, yeah. like the, you gotta let this guy go." Yeah. For Just sure, let him go. <laughs> yeah. that would have come for sure if I was married at the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's just a good story because it's also kind of, I think you guys developed more than a professional relationship. You kind of developed a friendship and Definitely. did you maybe feel kind of responsible for him as a friend? I did. I did. Yeah. And he's such a charismatic guy, mm-hmm. you know, and he's so smart. He always says he's not smart. You know, he's brilliant. Yeah, he's he genius level business guy. Yeah. I've never seen anybody like him actually. You know, he has no education, formal education right. really. And uh, he just had this thing about him that it was just exciting to kind of like be a part of working with him, even if it wasn't really going anywhere mm-hmm. half the time yeah. yeah he did make some adjustments that were a little better here and there like he went from having 40 girlfriends at a time to having 15 you know so <laughs> I, I counted that as a success you yep. know it's more like like harm reduction sort of approach yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that's crazy so when he so he can't we just he just told us about going down and having his first plant medicine ceremony like were you just like what the fuck is that like had you ever heard of ayahuasca like was it i had of- heard of all the plant medicines okay. before i looked at some documentaries before he even was considering it i didn't know much about any of it yeah. i knew it was out there i didn't know it was therapeutically beneficial i knew that some of the stuff worked for addiction you know that's out there for plant medicine but i didn't really know a lot but i was like all for it i was oh, i was behind it yeah dude go do it for sure for like anything right yes, yeah, yeah. At that okay. point. try something <laughs> so when he returned or did he return it sounded like he was gone for quite a while but what was your first experience like? Did he call you on the phone like, yo, Jeff, this is crazy? Or did you see him? Like, how did his experience translate into telling you and then you going, wow. As soon, this as, is- he, as, soon as he got back, uh-huh. he was at his house in Malibu and I just beelined it over there. And I saw him like on his pool deck and I was getting out of my car and I saw him. I said, this, something's up with this dude. He's different. Like mm. he just, his vibe was different. He was calmer. He looked like he didn't have as much burdens on him as yeah. he used to have. Yeah. His, his stress was way low. Uh-huh. And I was like, dude, what the heck happened? And he just basically started crying, you know, and he was just telling me, like, I'm a changed person. Like, I feel like a million bucks. Wow. I learned a lot about what, what was up with me. It was really cool. Yeah, and you had never seen that kind of like self-awareness, self-realization from him. Never. And, you, and not it, so quickly too is what's sure. crazy. Yeah, that's and so you're thinking like, okay, there's something. So then what was your idea where you're like I want to learn more about this this might be a modality that I could use with my other like patients or was there anything like that definitely okay. I, I was because you know my patient population that I'm used to is very hard you know those three groups I said trauma addiction yeah. acute psychiatric and there's not a lot of change for them yeah in general there's years of therapy tons of meds you know, and those people are high risk, like addi- addiction people are going to overdose at some point yeah. or commit suicide. Acute psychiatric are just in and out of the hospital, you know, and trauma patients often commit suicide too. So there's all this high risk behavior. So in order to build therapeutic rapport with one of those people, it can take years sometimes. Yeah. Wow. And I don't have years, you know, to work with these yeah. people. Yeah. I have months at, at best. Wow. So I was really intrigued by the quick nature of the plant medicine experience. Were you skeptical? Like, let's see how long this last year I've seen you like Definitely. change before. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I was skeptical. I said, there's no way this can stick. Sure. Because there's nothing that, that in my entire career of school or working that I'd see anything that was so fast like that that would stick. It always just go back to the old thing. Mm-hmm. So I was very skeptical. So did it make you want to come try yourself or what? How did you guys start to go, let's go into this deeper? And Well, I definitely wanted to see what it was about. You know, uh-huh. I don't have an addiction history. Yeah. Um, to become a psychologist, you have to have 65 hours of your own individual therapy while you're in grad school. Mm. So I'd done a lot of work on myself, I thought. And I, you know, I was 
successful guy, whatever, and, you know, running things, doing stuff. And I felt like I was fine enough. I mean, you know, we always got issues, right? But I feel like, hey, there's nothing like earth shattering about me that I need to go figure out. But I definitely want to see this plant medicine. And it completely turned my world upside down. Yeah. So what was your experience? It was crazy. It was crazy. It was <laughs> Tell so us, cool. What do you mean by crazy? Well, Tell what us. happened was, you know, I grew up in a part of LA at the time. Now it's like super nice and trendy that where I, where I, where I grew up <laughs> as all of LA is yeah. becoming, right? But when I grew up there, it was rough. There was gangs. There was a lot of violence, gunshots every what part night. part of LA? Uh, on the border of Highland Park and South Pasadena. Okay. Near like Figueroa and York and stuff okay. over there. Yep. And by the... 110 freeway and uh it was rough when i was a kid it was low income area you know south pasadena is like very high end yeah but if you're on the other side of the train tracks it's not so high end especially back in the 70s when i was growing up there mm-hmm. so uh i had to put on a persona to my neighborhood that was this i'm a tough guy and i'm not going to be messed with and i became hyper vigilant of my surroundings so i would absorb energy and, and try to stay safe you know like most kids were doing in our neighborhood and you know all kind of violent stuff happened. I had friends that got killed and shot and dead and stuff. A lot of my friends went to jail. So, there, you know, it was a rough area. And I was still, as an adult, this kind of tough guy. You know, I was, I surfed my whole life and I would be, that was kind of my outlet. I'd go surf and fight people in the water. I mean, it was so stupid. <laughs> my boyfriend's already done that almost. I mean, he's like so dumb. Like, rather trying to enjoy the you ocean. You dropped in on me, motherfucker. Yeah. yeah, I'll fling my board at the guy or I'll punch somebody in the water. I played water polo in college so I can like handle myself in the water oh really good. But uh, it, was cr- it, was, it was ridiculous. And yeah. I had an anger issue. Like I would get really upset real yeah. quick, mm. you know, and I was just, I was just kind of a, I wasn't happy really deep down. Sure. You know, I was, I had the intellect to be able to succeed in school yeah. and I had the ability to kind of navigate through uh, professional environments. But at the, at the base of me, yeah. I was angry. I was trying to fight everybody and I was just kind of this tough guy. But what happened during the plant medicine is I realized I went back to myself as a little kid. I was probably five and I saw myself, you know, it's like inner child work is yep. kind of what I related that to. And I saw, I had to chase myself down like, come here, dude, Jeffrey, come on over. What's up? And he didn't want to talk to me. He didn't want to see me. He was trying to get away from me. But I eventually convinced him to talk to me. And I said, dude, what is up, man? Like, why are you tripping, right? Uh-huh. He said, I'm freaking scared of this neighborhood. Mm. I'm scared of these kids over here. I'm scared of this bar across the street that opens at the freaking 10 a.m. or whatever. And there's all these drunks and all these crazy people around here. I'm just scared. Mm. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. That's why... I put on this mm, shell yep. to protect myself. I was yep. just a scared little kid. Yeah. So when I really authentically connected with that as an adult, yep. everything changed for me. And I, I was like, I'm not scared now. Yeah. Like I'm empowered to yep. move to a new place or yep. not have those friends or stay away from the violent people. Yep. So I, it just completely changed how I looked at myself. Really cool. So you like even going into the medicine though, you kind of didn't even have that awareness that you were angry or like maybe unhappy. No. You're like, I'm good. Like yeah. I'm better than all these people That's I'm working so with. Interesting. Like, yeah. It's like, you know, you think about therapy and you go like, and Jerry mentioned this last when we interviewed him. He's like, I had five years of this like intense intellectualizing this stuff. Yeah. Right. So you have that like intellectual awareness of like, oh, I can see these different things. And it sounds like you didn't really have that that moment of like, I'm, you know, I'm angry at like a deeper level. Yeah. What, what is that about? Yeah. I didn't connect to it. And you know, cause when we're vulnerable, especially if you have trauma history, 
then you feel you feel scared. Yeah. So like I never wanted to be vulnerable as an adult. Like yeah. I, my relationships were average, you know. I was divorced, right? So <laughs> that didn't go well for some reason, right? Yeah. It's because I wasn't authentically connecting, allowing myself to really be plugged into other people because mm-hmm. I wasn't plugged into myself. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was really a, a, an awakening moment for me to like realize that. So you had your own experience and then how did that like translate into like, I mean, I guess Jerry just decided to open this and were you just like, yes, let's do this. And yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. We both were talking about, uh-huh. cause you know, the place we did this at Jerry's talked about it was, it was a dump. Yeah. It was sketchy. Yeah. It was dirty. You know, it was, mm-hmm. it was crazy place. I mean, it was cool. Cause I mean, I have a lot of fond memories of it, but it's not a place most people would go to, right. you know? And we realized like the plant medicine world is out in the jungle. Most of it, you know, to yeah. generally Peru, like, Peru yeah. or yeah, Bolivia or Brazil, whatever, you know, Colombia, Africa, you know, mm-hmm. and we're like, most people are going to go do that. And we would like to have a place that brings people that, you know, are going to feel more comfortable mm-hmm. with a medical license, with doctors, nurses, staff that are professional, a clean place, you know, safe country. So that's what we want to do. And I was all for it, man. I was like, let's do this. Yeah. So now you guys have been doing it. So one of the reasons um, we came was I had posted on some personal issues with my depression and my friend said, Hey, have you tried this? And, you know, said a lot of people have had experience with healing depression or PTSD or anxiety. Mm -hmm. So clinically you've like kind of seen, You've worked in addiction and you've seen all kinds of people come in here. What do you say? Like over 46, 4,700 people come yeah, through here. Yeah. How do you, how would you say like as a doctor looking at those things, do you feel like there is a clinical, I mean, I, yeah, absolutely. And the reason is because, you know, like for example, if we pick, let's say uh, depression mm-hmm. as an example, mm-hmm. there's usually two sort of scenarios going on with a person that has depression. Often there's a neurochemical imbalance. Mm-hmm. So to make it simple, we could say it's like low dopamine. Sure. And sometimes we just inherit that from family, you know, and everybody in the family is a little bit depressed and they just kind of, it's just my neurochemical profile and that's what causes the the moods. And then there's the behavioral side and the lifestyle side. Like maybe I'm making bad decisions or maybe I have an addiction issue or maybe I'm, you know, in an abusive environment. So there's all, there's that and there's that uh, emotional side. So what I've seen with the plant medicine is both of those things can get resolved. Mm. It just really depends on the person, you know, because you have to be open to it. Sure. You have to kind of understand what's going on to some degree when you're doing the the medicine. And what I've seen is that, you know, the neurochemistry gets rebalanced. A lot of the research that I read um, talks about dopamine and serotonin in particular getting reset is a way that they describe it. So that helps with like the, the behavior or the biological side of it, neurochemical. Then the behavioral side, the emotional side, or the spiritual side, whatever you want to call it, that's where that, you know, you have this, these awarenesses of yourself emotionally and who you are as a person and what you mean to, you know, others. And there's this kind of personal side that's more like emotion-based. So when you put those two together, it's very powerful for resolving depression. We can use that same example for anxiety or addiction or, you know, PTSD in particular mm-hmm. is really good for this. We have a lot of veterans from mm-hmm. military that come through here. Can you talk about the biology for a second, just for our listeners who maybe are not familiar with plant medicine, like the active compounds in it. So if there is sort of a chemical imbalance, we've talked about that a little bit on the podcast and, you know, and talked about taking away the stigma of going on meds if you need to. 
what exactly is happening with that? Like, okay, so you take the plant medicine and it's essentially, it's, it's, it is a, affecting your mm-hmm. neurochemicals. Yeah. So like, what exactly is it working on? So uh, DMT, which is the active ingredient, dimethyltryptamine, right? That's already in our body. Um, they've proven that it's produced in the cerebral spinal fluid, in the lungs, and in the eyes, which mm-hmm. is interesting, interesting. right? Yeah. Um, they believe, but they can't prove it, that it's p- produced in the pineal gland. It's hard to do yeah. study on the brain when somebody's alive, mm-hmm. basically. It's hard. To, <laughs> yeah. They believe it might come from there too. And what the DMT is about, just naturally, um, they've, they've seen that it helps people feel a sense of connection to others or to the environment. Also, when people are sleeping, there's some release for like a dream state experience. Also, when people are about to die, there's a release of DMT that helps them kind of like, you know, calmly transition. Mm-hmm. So it has this sort of ability to help you plug in spiritually or emotionally, however you want to mm-hmm. phrase it. And when you drink ayahuasca, you get an extra dose of DMT. So it amplifies that sort of experience. So you feel more connected and you have more clarity. And you have more awareness. And the dopamine, for example, and there's a part of the brain, the amygdala, and that's where our subconscious memories are often stored. So there's neuron pathways in the amygdala that are related to emotional memories. Like if I was bit by a dog at age five, I have in my amygdala, I have a neuron pathway that if I see a dog now, I get scared because it's firing over there and reminding me of fear from when I was little. Yeah. And, and now as an adult, I, for whatever reason, I don't like dogs, but I don't know why because they seem to be nice. Everybody else likes dogs, right. but I have this aversion. I'm kind of confused by it. So then what happens is when you drink ayahuasca, your prefrontal cortex, which is the like the your consciousness. consciousness part of your brain, it links up with the amygdala and you get to have this clarity like, oh, that's why I have kind of a aversion to dogs is because I was appropriately scared at age five by mm-hmm. the pit bull and now yeah. i'm a not four i'm not five you know i'm an right. adult and i can now create a new neuron experience it's called synaptic plasticity yep. you've probably heard of that before yep. the brain can adjust and shift sure. as we learn things and now i'm not afraid of dogs and so now i have a new neuron pathway the dogs are nice dogs are friendly and that's how i see now dogs right so you can list you can look at that for any experience that's traumatic in the past but is there any harm in bringing up those past traumas like maybe somebody's just going through their life and like jerry talked about having the experience of finding out he was molested let's say somebody finds out they're molested and they're like that shit i didn't want yeah. to know yeah, yeah, and yeah. like now yeah. is that now what do i do yeah, exactly that? yeah how that's does, a great question can't that just mess somebody up more it can and and what what i've seen is for example, we had we've had people here that had no clue about historical trauma or abuse as kids. Mm-hmm. No clue about it. They had relationships with their family members that were fine, even with the person that they thought was the abusive one. Yeah. And they come in here. I I talk to them mm-hmm. after their ceremony because they're obviously upset and yep. confused. Like, what do I do with this information? And I say, what was the emotion that you had? during that experience with the plant medicine? Like, how did you feel when you had like that sort of clarity or awareness, right? What was it like? And they often say there's, you know, four or five emotions that surface, which are anger, Mm -hmm. resentment, fear, sometimes guilt, you know, because that's something that kicks in, unfortunately. Um, And there's like, that's the kind of stuff that comes up. So then what I do is I reframe it for them and I say, okay, well, we don't have to kind of like figure out exactly if you were, you know, sexually molested by your dad at age four. Sure. But what we do know is that at that age or in, as in your childhood, you were definitely fearful. Yep. You had some resentment yep. and some anger and you're, you had some guilt. So that stuff is processing through you and just mm-hmm. let it flow. 
And once you do that, and you don't have to kind of like be a, a private eye about <laughs> did this actually go down? Right. Because I found that it, you know it, it's not necessarily helpful if the person is living a happy life sure. to, to some degree yeah. to like drum up a bunch like a, a right. hornet's nest. It's not. Yeah. It's, it's not appropriate. It's more about the emotions and the actual situation. Correct. Or anything. Correct. Okay. So absolutely. So that's kind of more how I sort of explain it to the to the sure. guests that go through that. Or no. what if somebody does know there was a trauma and they're afraid they're going to relive it? Like they go, I know I had that and I don't want to think about it. And I'm afraid to to go under in the medicine because mm-hmm. what if I have to relive it? Yeah, that's another great question. And also a very common question I get from guests when I do their intakes on the weekend. Sure. A lot of people ask me that same question. And what I tell them is this. I go, look. If you've done any amount of work on yourself before you got here, mm-hmm. and usually the people that say that they know they had trauma, yeah, usually they have. Yeah. Not all of them, but let's say 90% of them have done some therapy, they've processed it, whatever they've done, and they, they come concerned. Am I going to relive this through the plant medicine? Mm-hmm. And the answer is no. You're not going to relive it because you've already worked on it. Yeah. The, the, the analogy I give, it's kind of like dusting the corners of a room because you already cleared out all the junk from the garage. Yeah. So now you're just going to kind of just sweep it up, make it perfect, and it's not going to haunt you now. Because people that have trauma as children are often having relationship issues currently. They don't trust mm-hmm. people. Yeah. And they have intimacy issues. And it's hard for them to connect. So what I say is, okay, let's just clear out this last little bit of fear and doubt and then you can move forward and you can start to be vulnerable in healthy ways. But it's hard to do that if you still don't trust people because you still have this trauma that's unresolved. Dang. That's, that's really amazing. Good. So that I love the, the just for our listeners to go through some of the biochemistry because I think that really – so does it work on dopamine or it works on serotonin? Yeah, both. Or, okay. And norepinephrine. And oh, okay. serotonin is a big one. There's five key serotonin receptors in the neurochemistry that get sort of like – I like to call it priming the pump. Like if you have a pump that's dry mm-hmm. and it's old school, like a well, and you got to put a little bit of water in it to make it start flowing again. Yep. It's kind of like that. Like it'll prime the pump of these serotonin and dopamine receptors and kind of get them functioning mm-hmm. again appropriately so it's balanced. Wow. Yeah. So well, before we came, yeah. I was told that I had to like not be on any medications, antidepressants yeah. before coming, like Correct. 30 days before coming. Is that because it would like pump too much or? The reason is because ayahuasca contains two active ingredients. One of them is the DMT, which mm-hmm. is the, the one that has the effects. The other one is a monoamine oxidase inhibitor. So it's an MAOI. Mm-hmm. MAOIs are contraindicated with this medicine. Mm-hmm. So with, you, with, sorry, with SSRIs. Okay. So SSRIs, yeah. which are antidepressants, yeah. right? And yeah. If you have SSRIs and MAOIs together, mm-hmm. it can be problematic. It can cause a serotonin syndrome, mm-hmm. which is too much serotonin mm-hmm. in the synaptic cleft of the neurons. So what that means is people will start sweating and they'll start to have a high heart rate and they'll start pacing around and it's just, it's not, it's not safe for them. Yeah. So we have people wean off the SSRIs mm-hmm. and other meds, depends on what the meds are, have some time clear, 30 yeah. days usually free and clear. Mm-hmm. And then they're okay for the MAOI to be in their system. Interesting. And that's that's challenging, right? Sure. Yeah, because people's anxiety usually climbs yep. when they're off these meds, depending on how long they've been on them, what their dose is, what their diagnosis is. Yeah. So that's challenging for people, you know? So then the question becomes, you know, is there is there a group of individuals that you would not recommend this for? Correct. There are some, yeah. And mm-hmm. we I say no to probably 20 people a day. They oh, want really? to come here. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Our intake department in LA will shoot Dr. Arturo, our medical director, and myself an email with all the meds and all the diagnoses and all the health issues. And there's certain things that are not 
not kosher, at least for us. And the reason is because, you know, we have this medical license. We have requirements that we have to fulfill with the Department of Health, Ministry of Health. And usually it's acute psychiatric people. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not going to allow that, unfortunately, because I think they would benefit from it to mm-hmm. some degree. Uh, <laughs> it might be wild, but, you know, it might be we'll It's pretty wild, as <laughs> Yeah. yeah also, uh, so there's certain bipolar one situations that can be problematic that can throw people into a manic phase. Mm-hmm. Not all bipolar ones. And bipolar one is very overdiagnosed and correct. Yeah. So I have to look at like a med history and see like what if they're on Seroquel, Trazodone, you know, uh, Wellbutrin and Le- Lexapro, da, 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 you know, so I have to, I can kind of get a profile because when I was working in LA, I did med management with a psychiatrist. So mm-hmm. I know the meds really well. Yeah. And so does Dr. Arturo. So we just kind of go over it, make sure it's all cool. So those are kind of bipolar one for some mm-hmm. acute psychiatric brain issues, certain brain issues, certain heart conditions. In certain gastrointestinal issues, like if they just had a gastric bypass surgery, yeah, recently, yeah. like within the last year or two, we we say no. People that have had it years ago are okay, but right off the bat, no. Right. It's interesting. You know, one of the questions we asked Jerry, and I, I'm interested in this, is, you know, so there are certain subset of people who it's not because of the contraindications with their meds. What about people who don't really have? They don't really have any like moment to moment depression, anxiety, misery. They don't really feel like they're dealing with, you know, like anger issues. Sounds like yours is a lot less extreme than Jerry's, but like, can anyone benefit? It's hard because we want to be as objective as possible. Obviously you work here, so you believe in it, which you should, but is there, you know, do you feel like everyone should do this? Well, I feel that this is just one tool of many that exists in the world to get connection. Somebody can be a meditation expert and they love that and they got everything they needed from that. That's fine. Yeah. Totally How do you know fine. if you have everything you need? It's hard to know that, you know? It's hard to know that. I think that's the whole struggle of life, like getting our ego out of the way and seeing who we really actually are authentically as people. I believe that plant medicine is one tool of many that exist. Can I can I see people benefit from it that, you know, for example, we've had, you know, couples come here. And one, like the, the wife, for example, let's say, is totally gung-ho. Like she wants to do it. She's excited. She has some issues. Then the husband is kind of like, Hey, you know, I'm just here to support her. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I, I'm happy. I'm not tripping on anything that I can know. And I'm just here to support her. Maybe I'll do a ceremony or two. We'll see. And I, I'd say probably half of those guys or women that don't feel they have much going on, they realize like me that they did. Mm-hmm. About half. Mm-hmm. The other half realize like, hey, you know what? It was, it was cool, but I didn't have a breakthrough. I didn't have some sort of you know, crazy moment of awareness. But it was cool and whatever, you I'm know. Glad I did it. And yeah. Like I'm good to go. Yeah. Yeah. So I truly believe that there's millions of different tools to get plugged into yourself that exist. You know, for me, it's surfing. Like I, that's what I like to do. Yeah. yeah. You know, exercise and surfing are my thing. And punching people in the water. That too. Not, not anymore. <laughs> not, not anymore. Not, right? anymore. <laughs> not anymore. I give that up. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Swim over here and give me a hug. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now I think, oh, he dropped in on me, and because you know he's. He just had a, a breakup with his girlfriend. He's just upset. He just really needs this wave. Give the benefit of the doubt. That's what I do now. Yeah, it's a good tool too. I'm a fan of that tool. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, that's really interesting. Um, I could see the couples thing happening a lot. Do you think that, have you seen with, when it comes to couples that it's, it seems to help their relationships or do you see like maybe this is the end of their relationship yeah. or is it both like like <laughs> one of them gets a download in the middle of the night they're like uh i'm not I supposed to be with you this relationship. yeah is well that how again it again, no? again it's 50 50 i would say like yeah. some people come and make them stronger 
Yeah. And some people come and they break up. Yeah. You know? And, I can see and that. then some people come as individuals because they're going through marital struggle and they come by themselves. Yeah. Then they go home and again, it's kind of 50 50. They, yeah. everything's great because they, they have a different understanding of their spouse. Or they're like, I can't handle this dude. He's a nut. So I'm out. Yeah. So again, it just depends on the person, the situation. You know, everybody's different, which is what makes this place exciting. It's like a make or break place. <laughs> it is. It is. You know, it's hard to, like, sometimes when couples come, it's it's really nice because they're they're bonding and this and that. But, you know, I'm naturally going to worry about a family member or a, my spouse sure. if she's laying right next to me sure. doing ayahuasca. Yeah. Right. And I'm just like, oh, are you okay? You know, you need anything? Like, yeah. That's, yeah. Right? And that's kind of what everybody does. So that can just detract from it a bit. So we yeah. try to kind of separate them yeah. a, a little, but it's not easy. You know, they get up and go over, are you okay, honey? You know? yeah. And there's <laughs> we, nothing we wrong with that. We had that moment of like, we were in beds next to each other and we were like, you know, I, if she left the room, I was like, I hope she's okay. <laughs> yeah. Or like, you yeah. know, yeah. It, it just even as a friendship. Yeah, definitely. You know, so that's part of it, you know. Well, this is really cool. Um, I, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else that people would want to know from Dr. Jeff. I think, you know, the biggest questions we got were, about the puking and the shitting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, mostly just, like, is it safe? You know, I think it's maybe a little confusing because it's called a ceremony versus, like, just give me the fucking drug. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, why does it have to be a ceremony? Like, so uh -huh. I think that our people are very interested. I yeah. think a very small percentage of them have actually done it. Yeah. So we don't really have, like, I think you have uh, Michael. He's doing a podcast after this with you and his his podcast is like all conscious, real, like, spiritual. Our people yeah. aren't necessarily like that. They're yeah. interested in uh, holistic uh -huh. living and yeah. modalities and natural living but they are curious we had mm -hmm. a, like literally dozens of people be like definitely like I Woo, can't wait <laughs> i can't wait to hear so for the beginner mm -hmm. what would be one insight or if you could give them like one either piece of advice or insight or something to i don't know i guess make them feel more comfortable or, or giving uh -huh. them some insight into what this whole process is about. Well, that's, I think, um, you know, Jerry and I had a, a many discussions before we opened this place. Right. And one of our main discussions was this is going to be so wild trying to mix like indigenous cultural beliefs about plant medicine with a Western medical model and merging those two. Mm -hmm. And I was like, dude, yeah. this is going to be crazy. Like managing shaman. Like how the hell do I manage a shaman? Right. Like I can manage <laughs> doctors and psychologists yeah. and nurses because they have a law of ethics and they have their, their degrees and their licenses. And I know exactly how to do it. Sure. But a shaman, it's like, how do you manage a shaman? Right. right? Or do you so, even? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So, <laughs> so I've learned over the last several years here how to do it. And basically... I think what happens, talking about what we call it a ceremony, right, is we're trying to still sort of, you know, we're trying to respect the shamanic process that we have here with the medicine and the people that are the plant medicine providers. But we're also trying to have this medical presence here is what get, got us our license. Yeah. So, you know, some of the terminology is a little hokey at times. Like, yeah, go up to ceremony. If I'm from a, you know, Christian Judeo background yep. and very conservative that right off the bat might make me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. You know? yeah. And so what I would like to say to the first timers yeah. or people that are kind of on the fence is like, you have to look at it like you're watching a national geographic movie and you're understanding a different cultural mm -hmm. perspective on healing. Mm -hmm. My background before I went to grad school was in medical anthropology. I studied ethnobotany and Latin, Latin American studies. Wow. I had no idea I was going to do this, <laughs> but it, so it fit right. Yeah. And what I loved about anthropology and medical anthropology in particular is that it's the cultural belief system surrounding healing and healthcare. And I really loved and thought that was cool. And I wasn't necessarily 
when I was observing these ceremonies, you know, when I was an undergrad, I wasn't like a participant in there believing, oh yeah, I'm a shaman too and stuff. I was just like, hey, you know what? I'm st- I'm the participant observer. Yeah. Sure. I'm participating, but I'm just observing. Yep. And I still have my own culture back in LA, right? Mm-hmm. right? So I think that's a good thing to look at for people. Just, you know, hey, come in and enjoy the process because it's really unique. You see all the healing stuff and all the mapacho smoke that they blow and the agua de florida and all this cool cultural stuff. And don't don't worry about you like being, oh, now I have to believe all this. It's like it's just it's a vehicle that the shamans use to do their practice of healing. Just like if you go to a doctor's office in, in the States or wherever, you know, okay, we're going to take your blood pressure pulse. We're going to look at your tongue. And there's all these kind of rituals. They don't, we don't look at it that way, but right. it's very similar. Yeah, there, it is a ritual in a sense. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah, we were talking about after the first night, the next morning, we were like, if someone just came off the street and like looked <laughs> at Walked this, into the room, they we were like, out. what the fuck is happening? I thought about that probably every week. Yeah, I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> I like that you said that though, because I've had a lot of just skepticism and like, you know, even the first day hearing, you know, just hearing people even go, she, just this and that, and just some of the vocabulary. Words. I was like, this just sounds yeah. like some bullshit. <laughs> totally. And it's, but that actually just helped kind of flip a little switch in my brain to look at it of just like respecting these are the ceremonies and traditions. That yeah. doesn't mean I have to adopt that or Correct. believe that. Correct. Um, and but, I don't, I don't adopt that either. Sure. You know, I adopt like this is a vehicle yeah. that helps me connect with myself. Yeah. That's how I frame it. Yeah. And it could be anything. And, and I don't look at it like, Oh, just personally, yeah. the mother, some mother ayahuasca came to me as an entity sure. and went in my body and did all this stuff. I mean, some people believe that and that's totally fine. Yeah. You know, it helps them kind of get what they need to get. Yeah. But I look at it like it's just something that's plugging me into myself, mm-hmm. you know, with my neurochemistry, yeah. with my emotional self, my physical, I'm not dissociated. I'm totally plugged in. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that because I do think that resonates, at least it resonates a little bit more with me if we yeah. can break down like the neural pathway. Like you, you mentioned yeah. like the connection between the prefrontal cortex and the amygdala, like that I think makes a lot of sense for our listeners too. Yeah. yeah. I really love that. I know. Excellent. I like this conversation. This me is too. fun. <laughs> well, Jeff, uh, do people contact you separately from Rhythmia or they just have to come here to meet you or what? Well, I have a, a Facebook Live that I do every Monday evening on the Rhythmia website or the Rhythmia Facebook page. Uh-huh. Okay. And uh, they can like you know send messages during that and sometimes we'll respond to that. Or if they just call our Malibu office, which is our, our call center, uh-huh. and they say, I, I have a question for Dr. Jeff, then I, I can get it through that. Oh, cool. Um, and then when they're here, I, I obviously talk to the guests, can meet with them individually. Yeah. And then when they leave, I call some of them here and there and make sure they're okay, like yeah. follow up with them a bit. Yeah. And uh, sometimes, you know, somebody I'm not following up with, for example, needs a little assistance mm-hmm. and then they, they contact me directly. And then I talk to them, have a session. Like today I got four sessions wow. with alumni yeah. that are yeah. back home just to say how they're doing and check in. I love the idea of the Facebook Live. We'll make sure we put that in the show notes because if you guys are even curious and you're like, cool, I want to like see what's up with this. And if you have some questions, it sounds like that. If they go to YouTube as well, because okay. a lot of those Facebook Live videos get posted to YouTube right oh, nice. after. Awesome. It's Dr. Jeff Rhythmia. And mine are really short. They're like 10 minutes. And they're oh, just cool. little blurbs about different stuff going on, psychological perspective, yep. plant medicine. It's kind of more like how we're talking. Yeah. You know? So it's, oh, I got probably 100 up there already. Oh, awesome. Oh, awesome. Yeah, we'll yeah. definitely make sure we link that. Now I want to go watch some more of those. Cool. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time thank and you. for sharing your knowledge with us. And your journey has been an interesting one. Sure so, has. Well, yeah, I'm still pinching myself. You're like, how did I go? How did I get this gig? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we know totally. how you got it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been weird, but I'm stoked. <laughs> I love it. Well, That's thank how. You so much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You got thank it. you. Thank you.